Thank you, Tim. Thank you, praise team. And what a wonderful time of worship we have had thus far. And I invite you to continue with me, if you would, and turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 100. And uh, turn with me to Psalm 100. And as we continue our series, really ending this week, as we uh, come to Thanksgiving, as we think about uh, family worship, and we have talked in great detail about uh, all different manners of family worship and seeing really the ways in which the Psalms connect us into worshiping as a family, worshiping as a family as a church, worshiping as a family as a body of churches, worshiping as family as individual units, even worshiping as individuals within our own lives. What we are called to and brought to and drawn to together is this notion of family worship here in the Psalms. And then as we turn to Psalm 100, it is really a psalm that is fitting for the week that we are about to walk into. It is a psalm for giving thanks. It is specifically designed for that purpose. And then as we think about all the family gatherings, and I don't know what your Thanksgivings look like, I don't know who's coming into town or where you may be going or what that's going to be, but it's hard for us to miss the moment and overlook the fact we should be looking for opportunities and reasons for Thanksgiving. We should be looking for opportunities to do so, and really to do so in a way that God has told us we ought to, and also for the reasons that God has told us to. Well, Psalm 100 is going to answer all of that for us. So grab your copy of God's Word and read with me in Psalm 100, starting in verse 1, and we will read all the way through verse 5. Psalm 100, verse 1 says this, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to thank you. We know that that is only possible through what you have done through your Son. And Father, we rejoice in Him together here today. Father, we pray that you would stir in our hearts as you teach us from Psalm 100. Stir in our hearts what we are to do with our gratitude and our thankfulness and all the reasons why when we think and know you, we have great reason for giving thanks. Father, increase our worship, increase our praise as you increase our gratitude for you today. And Lord, we ask for you to do this in our hearts and lives by your Spirit and for the glory of your precious Son in whose name we pray together now. Amen. Psalm 100 starts off, and as we think about giving thanks, and really giving thanks for knowing God, as we look at Psalm 100 as a whole, and really as it starts, what we find is that we are to give thanks for knowing God as Creator and Lord and Shepherd. But before we even get there, we have this little heading here in Psalm 100 where we're just simply told, a psalm for giving thanks. But it's interesting even in reading this because when we start sort of 
mowing through that and thinking, okay, well, this is wonderful context, specifically where we are on a calendar, but a lot of times we just don't define all of our terms, like psalm. What is a psalm? Well, what we really find and what we really understand is that a psalm is theological truth, words of life and words of hope set to poetic verse and sung in congregational worship. It's like the songs of God's people across the ages. It's the hymnal from which we have all drawn from. And the fact is, we all like a good song. We have songs for driving, right? You know, you, you, you have the songs for driving when things are clear and you're making your way through holiday travel and everything's all right and it's a little upbeat and you're kind of happy about it. You have the songs to sort of cheer you through the trafficy parts of your journey and hopefully get you to your destination nice and cool and calm. You have songs for relaxing and songs for celebrating and songs for laughing and songs for memories, not to mention all the songs that you're going to drag out of the closet here after you eat the bird on Thursday. We like a good song, don't we? This psalm, this theological song is specifically designed for giving thanks. It's the only psalm with this heading. What an amazing point to draw us into thanksgiving here. And as we read Psalm 100, you'll notice a pattern there. We're told at first, we're told what to do, and then we're told why to do it. We're told what to do in verses 1 through 2, And again in verse 4, and we're told why we ought to do that in verse 3 and in verse 5. And as we look closely, what we're going to see is God is giving us the ways in which He's called us to give thanks for Him, and then the reasons for doing so. And so the song begins. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. There's a lot of ways in life to express gratitude. There's cards, and you can send gifts, or you can do flowers, you can give somebody a hug, you can give an encouraging word along the way. We like to bake a giant bird and, you know, eat a year's worth of calories in a day. That's another way of giving thanks for all of the ways in which God provides. There's all sorts of ways that we can give thanks, but notice what he says here. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. I don't know about about you, but... We all make a lot of noises throughout the week. And dare I say, most of them are probably not joyful. Most of them, in fact, are probably noises we would rather forget, right? They're the groans that we have, or the complaints, right? Or the just the sort of unarticulated noises, like, ah, right? You're just the frustrating sounds, the grumbling. Maybe game day yesterday, maybe that was a source of joyful noise for you. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But then we read this. We're like, okay, we'll make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, what is a joyful noise to the Lord? Because in a lot of times, the ways in which we've often heard this is that this is a music leader talking. And it's a way of, of describing somebody who can't carry a tune in a bucket, right? Come make a joyful noise. And it's sort of like, we know you can't sing, but we're inviting you anyway. Is that what he's talking about here? It's not. In fact, the Hebrew word is a reference to victory shouts, right? Of this joyful noise of the victory of God, of what he has accomplished in celebrating his victory at work in our lives. 
And we think of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ that He has conquered sin and death and hell for us and that we ought to, in gratitude, lift up a joyful shout to His name for redemption and for rescue, for salvation. And it is a joyful noise because that victory that He accomplished still endures today and will endure forever. So we can make a joyful noise right now. But notice the joyful noise is directional too. It is a joyful noise to the Lord. He's the recipient. He's the one to whom it's being directed. He's the one to where our gratitude is rising. And that in an ultimate sense, it is all directed towards Him. But you think of the joyful noises that that the Lord hears as we cry out to Him in prayer. That's a joyful noise to Him. As we love one another, as we gather together in congregational song and sing His praises, with a victory shout, might I add. It's all right to get a little loud. It's not going to hurt somebody. might unnerve you a little bit. But if you were anywhere near my house watching that football game yesterday, it was pretty loud. Ought we not be more excited as we gather in here? And that the context here, he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Thanksgiving as a holiday is profoundly American. Thanks to God is profoundly global. It's meant to be. It's designed to be. And here again we see God's concern and care for reaching the nations. And to long for the glad shouts of victory and really to answer back the glad shouts of victory. And you think about all of what we're about to walk into in the Christmas season and think about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And you think of all the opportunities to sow, uh, just to give some, some money to support missionaries who are out on the field sowing the seed of the gospel among people that will never see and never meet this side of heaven. All the earth would make a joyful noise to Him as we work together and celebrate the power of the cross of Jesus. Christ, that we need to hear this command as an invitation, because what happens when one person makes a joyful noise is that inevitably somebody takes an interest, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to get in there with you on that. One joyful noise leads to another, leads to another, which then when we all unite together in one joyful noise, man, what a joyful noise that becomes. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. But that's not the only way in which we are told to give thanks. Another way in which we are told specifically here in verse 2, he says, serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. That we see life itself as an opportunity to serve Him as an expression of thanksgiving to Him. That means in whatever your career path may be, whatever sort of stage of life you may be in, whatever you have going on on a day-to-day basis, as you're serving the Lord in that, you are doing so as an expression of thanksgiving to God for what He has done. Doesn't it matter to remember in all the daily details, like, who is this for? You ever found yourself sort of stopping mid-task and thinking, what am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? When you stop and you ask yourself that question, can you say it's for the Lord? 
do you say it's for the Lord? Because all of a sudden that changes everything. Serving is an expression of gratitude. You want to know who's most grateful on on Thursday afternoon after the Thanksgiving meal? Find the person who fights off the turkey nap and helps you in the kitchen washing the dishes. Gratitude, one expression of gratitude is service. And serving the Lord with gladness. It's an honor to serve, right? Many people say that, especially when they're serving great people. You think of dignitaries, you think of you know, people serving in some sort of monarchy or royal house somewhere or something like that. And, and all this, it's like all this quiet, faithful, often unnoticed service. And it's like, thank you for your service. Like, I'm just glad to be here. I'm just honored to serve under you. How much more so should that be the case for every single one of us as believers? And that the more we know Him, the more reason we will see for gladness in our service. The more we know who He is and how He is, the more we're going to enjoy all the opportunities of teaching and leading and all the committees and all the care and all the love and all the sort of pointers to grace that we have and all the sort of ministry points that we have throughout the week. We're going to do so with gladness the more we know all of who He is is that we ought to be thanking God with our glad-hearted service. So that when we're thinking about opportunities to serve within the church, you're like, well, okay, well, what am I going to get out of it? Where well, you're going to get no pay, you're not going to get any attention, uh, you probably won't get a thank you from anybody, and uh, people are probably going to criticize you along the way. You ready? like that's the worst job description I've ever heard (laughs) but when you walk into that saying this is for the Lord none of that matters anymore it's for him serve the Lord with gladness but not only that so not only do we make a joyful noise to the Lord and serve the Lord with gladness he says come into his presence with singing Singing songs is a gracious gift of God, but we have so many songs that captivate our hearts and that we repeat through hard times that we sing along the way. I can remember many a time finding myself with tears in my eyes singing that song, may this journey bring a blessing, may I rise with wings of faith, and when I, at the end of my heart's testing with your likeness, let me wake. It's like nothing else could come out of my mouth except for those lyrics. And so we have these songs that we hold fast to. And that our songs ought to be expressions of thanksgiving to Him. Come into His presence with singing. But see, we read this, we're like, wait, come into His presence. Isn't He everywhere? Well, yes, He is everywhere. But the way in which this is being described is coming before His presence in an acknowledgement that He is there. Because we will sing of what we are thankful for. That's why we have love songs. That's why we have fight songs. That's why we have life songs. We sing as an acknowledgement that He is with us. 
through all the sorrows and all the tears and all the hardship, through times of grief and through times of joy, while you're in the car, while you're in the office, maybe you're whistling to yourself, right? Amid all the holiday, holiday flurry and amid all the calm that comes right after that, we need to walk with faithfulness in these expressions of gratitude to the Lord. But as we read this, are, are there joyful noises? Is that evident in our lives? Is there active service evident in our lives? Are, are we singing with that sort of awe and wonder at who He is? And maybe you're reading this here today. Maybe you're reading this for the first time and you're thinking, well, why should I? Don't you know how messy my life is? Don't you know all the things I've got going on in my life? Don't you know how hard it has been throughout this whole week? Don't you know how tired and weary and sorrowful and broken I am? What possible reason could I have for thankfulness to God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us And we are His. We are His people in the sheep of His pasture. Our gratitude is directly tied to our knowing Him. You want to make a joyful noise? You want to serve the Lord with gladness? You want to come into His presence with singing? Know Him. Know Him. That the Lord, know that Yahweh, Jehovah, He is God. You can say it this way. Know that Yahweh is Elohim. God, the Mighty One, Supreme, is personal Lord. The God of the Exodus, the God of the, the walking through the wilderness in, Joshua, in Numbers and leading out in victory in Joshua. He who is our victory, He who is our hope, is He who has made Himself known and told us His name. He has redeemed and rescued all who know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He who forgives is He who pursues us. So follow along as we recollect what it means to know Him. It says it is He who made us. Give thanks for knowing God as Creator. He made us. He fashioned us together in your mother's womb. We like to say, look, I know who made that, right? You could, you, maybe you've got furniture in, in your house and people come in and be like, hey, I like that. And you're like, hey, I know who made that. We like to say that about all sorts of things. Do we recognize we can say that about everything? I know who made that. That he has the patent on all the minds who hold all the patents. He made us. He knit us together, all the muscles and all the organs and all the quirks and personality strangenesses that we've all got. All those sort of genetic things where we're like, I can't believe that even happened. Every joy you have ever known is rooted in the fact that God made you. He made us. Are we grateful to Him for that fact alone? That we get to know the one who made us? Who better to ask for help in our time of need? Go to the maker. You think of whenever you're restoring something, you want to restore, like classic car or something, you want to restore something to its uh, original glory, you might say. 
You don't want all those aftermarket parts, do you? You want to go back to the original manufacturer. That's what the Lord does in our lives, isn't it? What reason we have for things, but it's not just knowing Him as Creator. It's not just the acknowledgement that He made us, but look, it's He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. Know Him as Lord. Give thanks that you can know Him as Lord. We belong to Him. And see, there are some translations when you read this, it says it's He who made us, and it says, and not we ourselves. And that is true. We did not make ourselves. But in fact, the the translation carries forward in making the point that it's beyond the fact that we didn't just make ourselves. It's that we belong to Him through faith in Christ. Are we grateful that He sought us? That we belong to Him through faith in Jesus Christ? Because we know something matters greatly to us when somebody uses the word mine. Because some of y'all are going to reach into that basket that sits in the middle of the table on Thursday and there's going to be one roll left in there and you're going to be eyeballing that person on the other side of the table and be like, that's mine. I got some sopping left to do. The biggest fights kids ever get into, what, what is it about? What are they saying all that, all that time? That's mine. When we want to talk about something that we really care about or that we really love, that's my family, that's my child, that's my baby. Do we give thanks for the fact that when you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, God looks at you and says, you're mine. You may not belong anywhere else, but in Him you belong. What reason for thankfulness we have to Him that He never forsakes us and He never leaves us and He always loves us and He always cares for us. We're His. We're His people and we're the sheep of His pasture. Give thanks for knowing God as shepherd. Is that reason for making a joyful noise? Yeah. Is that reason for serving the Lord with gladness? You better believe it. Is that reason for singing? Oh, yeah. You think of Him as shepherd, right? You think of Psalm 23. You can think of Ezekiel 34 and God shepherding his sheep. You can think of John chapter 10. What does a shepherd do? He does a whole lot, in fact. He tends his sheep, meets our needs, because we need him all the time, more than we even realize. He leads us ever closer to himself. He seeks us out when we stray. He feeds us and restores us and guides us and nurtures us, protects us, disciplines us. He takes us in when no one else would even take us. And in fact, as Jesus described himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10, he also said he lays down his life for the sheep. That the eternal Son of God came in the flesh, lived in perfect righteousness, was tempted in every way as we are, and yet was without sin, and went to the cross and died in our place so that we could have forgiveness and everlasting life. That's reason for thanksgiving. He is shepherd. And knowing him as shepherd, what benefit we have in him. What reason for gratitude. A few years ago, there was a 
a news story that was really cycling around on social media. It was about a, a sheep that had been found in Australia. It had been wandering around in the outback in the wilderness for five years. So it had escaped from the sheep pen and it had wandered off and it had wandered around for, for five years. And so finally they, they found this thing. It could hardly even stand up. I mean, it, it, it looked ridiculous. Overgrown and stumbling around, struggling, tripping, hurting, sores all over its body, filthy. And as they took it in, you can watch the video. They take this sheep in there and they just start to shear the sheep. And bit by bit, they start making their way through it. And there's sticks and rocks and filth and bugs all wound down in the wool and everything else. And by the time they shear the sheep in its fullness, they took off 77 pounds of wool. That sheep was a mess. But what a picture. of that! That's exactly how the shepherd found every single one of us. We had wandered off thinking going our own way was the best thing for us to do. And that we were going to go have a big time and we were going to have do it our own way. We got filthy and dirty and got infested with all sorts of things that hurt that we couldn't fix. And we couldn't fix it ourselves. And it just, the burden that we carried around it, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And just got so overwhelming that we couldn't hardly do it. And we were just about to collapse before the shepherd finally found us and says, I can take care of this. What a picture we have of Jesus. What reason we have for thankfulness to him. But see, that's not the only thing that Psalm 100 has to say. Not only do we give thanks for knowing God as creator and Lord and shepherd, we also give thanks for knowing God for how he is, that he's good and loving and faithful. But see, we're told we enter into this refrain again of here's what to do, right? Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's an invitation. Come on, come on, enter into the temple gates. And once once you're inside, you see it's all for his glory. Enter into worship with gratitude. Come on in and know the Son. Come give thanks to he who saves and come enter his courts with praise. See, this is, a, this is a reminder. We're meant to do this together. One of the things that God has graciously given us is not only given us Himself, He's given us one another. And that we get to stir one another in song and in thanks, like coals in a fire. The, the closer we draw to one another, the brighter heat we put out. As we give thanks and encourage one another, It's like the crowd is focused together and it just gets louder and louder. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Give thanks to Him out of your own personal experience. Just pause for a second and think back about last week. It's busy. It's always busy. It's funny, we can get to, you know, you get on Sunday nights, we're like, it's not going to be that busy of a week. And then you get to Monday, you're like, I can't believe how busy it is. There's always stuff going on, but uh, there's always reasons for thanks, isn't there? Think of how he provided. Think of how he sustained you. Think of the hope. Think of the fact that he answered prayers. 
And then when we start to think about this of giving thanks to Him, maybe the reason when we get to that time at Thanksgiving where somebody in the family finally decides we're going to do this thing and we're going to have that moment where it's like, okay, we're going to go around the table and everybody's going to say, what are you thankful for? That's an awkward moment, isn't it? Maybe the reason it's so awkward is because we're all so out of practice. Because all of a sudden it's like, oh, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. And then what inevitably happens is somebody says, oh, well, I'm thankful for my family. And then like the next four people are like, I'm thankful for my family too. Which is fine. We can all be thankful for family. But do we have this habit of giving thanks to Him on a regular basis? And that thanks requires expression. That's why parents are always on their kids. Say thank you. Thank Him. Gather around with your family on Thursday and thank Him for turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes and dressing and pumpkin pie and coffee. Don't forget. But neither should we forget to thank Him for salvation, for justification by grace through faith, for the fact that He sanctifies us, that He never leaves us or forsakes us, and that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Personal praise lifted before Him. Bless His name. And we went through a bunch of His names last week, but you can think of other names that are going to come up around this Christmas season. Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, such precious names, bless His name, His name that's above every name, that every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and the only name under heaven given among men by which man can be saved, that name of Jesus, bless His name. Why should I? Verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. See, we read verse 5, and it's like, this almost reads like a list of cliches, doesn't it? These are not cliches. This is theological truth. This is crucial to our lives. God is good. His being is fundamentally good. And we have to be careful how we define this, because it's very easy for us to read this and say, well, the Lord is good. That does not mean necessarily merely pleasant to us. God's goodness is bigger than that. In fact, one theologian described it this way, very helpfully so. God's being and actions are perfectly worthy of his own approval. That's God's goodness. Everything about who he is and everything about what he does is perfectly worthy of his own approval. Which is a reminder for us as we say the Lord is good. And we think of him defining His own goodness. And then the reminder, maybe we need to refine our palate a little and taste and see that the Lord is good. That against the backdrop of human sin, His goodness shines through. His kindness, His righteousness, His goodness towards the unworthy, that's grace. His goodness towards the suffering, that's mercy. Stop trying to convince yourself that you are good and find hope and salvation in the goodness of God and give thanks for it. The Lord is good. It's His steadfast love that endures forever. The Hebrew word chesed, right? Loving kindness, 
Steadfast mercy is another way in which it's described. That it reaches out into eternity in both directions. Which means it has already outlasted your need and your pain and your hurt and your loss and your grief and your ups and your downs in your stage of life in your normal days and your awkward holiday moments. And it has already endured more than your sin. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks for that. Thank Him by embracing it. Of rejoicing in it. Of saying, Lord, I receive your love by faith. And that His faithfulness is to all generations. His faithfulness to what? Well, really, His faithfulness to Himself and His own promises. He promised to provide atonement. He did. He promised to provide the way of forgiveness. He did. His name is Jesus. He promised to deal with death. He did. His name is Jesus. He promised to give us hope. He did. His name is Jesus. He promised to sustain us. He does. Through the Spirit of Jesus. He promised to give us comfort and mercy. He does. And this reaches to all generations. He never changes. He is immutable. He who has been, is, and always will be the exact same. And so as we read, this is helpful for all of us. He says, His faithfulness to all generations. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but not every generation sees eye to eye. Do we? We don't always agree on everything. And if we're honest, that's always been the case. But when we all look in the same place, we find a great deal more agreement. When we look to His faithfulness that endures all generations, Instead of saying, this is how it used to be, or instead of saying, this is how it's going to be, we can look at the God who is, who is also the God who was, who is also the God who is to come. That's family, isn't it? See, that's part of what we celebrate at Thanksgiving. You get around... With multiple generations. That's part of the joy of family. And you hear the stories. You tell the stories. You hear the old ones and you share the new ones. And so that same faithfulness that got grandma and grandpa through all those hard times and difficult days and all that grief and all that loss and all the hardship and all the scarcity and all the difficulty, all the things that many of us would cannot even begin to fathom and the ways in which God cared for them and held them and and led them through. That same faithful God is at work right now in this generation. And that same faithful God is the same God that's going to be at work in the generations to come who are yet to be born. See, as we fix our eyes on Him, all of a sudden our, our contention with one another falls down as we look to the one who's faithful to all generations. And when nothing else makes sense, he is faithful. 
through all the trends and all the failures and all the questions and all the fears and all the doubts, look to the faithful, loving, good God and be thankful. But see, we all got to start in the right place. The right place to start is not by trying to do these things first, but trying to, we have to know He who is God first. We have to be honest about the situation. That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't deserve to know the Lord. In our own sin, we've actually already rebelled against Him. We've told the Creator, I know better than you. We know the, we, we've told the Lord, I know better than you. Just like that sheep that we were talking about a moment ago, we've looked the shepherd in the face and said, I know better than you, I'm going to go my own way. We've all done that. Look at the grace and goodness and love and mercy of God. That even though we did that, He said, I'm coming to get you. He seeks and saves the lost. He calls us to turn away from our sin, to acknowledge our circumstances, to acknowledge our sin and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I cry out for mercy. And on the basis of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sin and rising from the dead, there's forgiveness and everlasting life. It's like a free gift laid out in front of you. But you've got to receive it. Won't you receive it today if you never have before? Won't you enter this season, even this week of thanks, with all sorts of new reasons to thank God for who He is and for how He is. And brothers and sisters in Christ, for all of you who are here today, may our expressions of gratitude and thankfulness to God look like what's described here in Psalm 100. Joyful noise. Glad service. Joyful singing. Thankful declarations. Blessing the name of the one who saved us. However the Spirit leads in your heart and life this morning, I invite you to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Your steadfast love endures forever. Your faithfulness to all generations. Lord, I thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ in this place across generations. I thank you that from where I get to be right now, I look out and I see story after story after story after story of your steadfast love that endures forever. So many people who are faithfully serving with gladness. It goes unseen. Father, we thank you for that. But Father, we pray that our expressions of gratitude would not be locked into one week on the calendar. But Lord, that you would convict us. And help us to look and see you. To see you for who you are. The creator to whom we are all accountable. The Lord to, which every, to whom every knee will bow. And the shepherd who graciously calls us to salvation. May we see you in your goodness. In your love and in your faithfulness. 
And may we all together cry out in faith. Father, may this now, this moment of worship, be an expression of gratitude. For some, the first expression of gratitude in receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time. For others, for singing the glad songs of thanksgiving for the 10,000th time. However, it is heard from your wonderful ears. Receive our gratitude now. We ask all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.